Welcome to Black Theater Matters. This is a podcast that seeks to begin a conversation around the important issues to black theater and about black theater. Simply put, black theater matters. I'm your host, Gary Anderson, and and here is the rundown for today's episode. In segment one, I'm going to answer the last black theater trivia question and provide a little historical context to the answer. Then I will give you this week's question. In segment two, I will introduce this week's black thought. This is a quote by the great and phenomenal Audre Lorde, the second in a row, by I might add. And I think it best frames the theme of this episode. And then finally, in segment three, we have an interview with the founders of Black Lives, Black Words, the original Edmund and Samelia Hodge Dalloway. Okay, now that that's all out of the way, let's get on with the show. week's question was, what black-authored Broadway musical is the only one to have ever been revived on Broadway? And the answer is, it's a Shuffle Along by Flournoy Miller, Aubrey Lyles, Noble Sissel, and Yubi Blake. Originally produced in 1921, the all-black musical ran for a total of 484 performances, which was, was a relatively remarkable professional run at the time. It had its first Broadway revival in 1933, running only 17 performances. And then there was a second revival in 1952, which lasted only four performances. Most recently, Shuffle Along was adapted by playwright George C. Wolfe and produced by Scott Rudin as a backstage musical about the original production. The show included new material, featuring how the creators of the show got the production up and it interwoven scenes and numbers from the original script. The cast included Brandon Victor Dixon and Joshua Henry as Yubi Blake and Noble Sissel, respectively, while Brian Stokes Mitchell and Billy Porter played blackface minstrels Floynoy Miller and Aubrey Lyles, who wrote the book, and starred in the show. Rounding out the headliners for the production was Audra McDonald as lead actress Lottie G. The show appeared to be doing very well after 38 previews and running uh, for a consistent 100 performances, but the show closed abruptly. The official reason given was that the show the show producers had an inability to find a suitable female headliner to take over the role of Lottie G after it was announced that Audrey McDonald would be leaving due to her upcoming pregnancy. However, the producers knew before the show went into rehearsal that she was pregnant and would have to be replaced eventually. And so it's odd that she ended up leaving the show and that being the reason the show closed. This week's Black Theater Trivia question is a bit one coming from recent history. I've given you two from the middle and early 20th century, so now let's do one that's within the last 20 years. Name 
two black musical creators who wrote the book, music, and lyrics for their award-winning shows. I can guarantee you there are two answers to this question, and they are in the last 20 years. So put your thinking caps on, start looking, and see if you can't get me an answer. You can send your answers to Gary at BlackTheaterMatters.org. Today, we're going to devote the majority of the show to an interview I did with Black Lives, Black Words founders, Reginald Edmund and Samilia Hodge Dalloway. BLBW is an international artistic movement that spans across countries and continents in which black narratives are told by and in the complete control of black artists with the mission in mind to empower all audiences. These two happen to be partners in life, as well as in theater, as that Reggie and Sim are happily married. Additionally, a little bit of background about each one of them in particular, Reggie is a resident playwright at Tamasha Theater in London, and an alumni resident playwright at the Chicago Dramatist Theater. He's also an artistic associate at the Pegasus Theater in Chicago, and an artistic patriot at Merrimack Repertory Theater. Uh, he has his nine-play series, which is entitled The City of Bayou Collection. It includes Southbridge, Juneteenth Street, The Last Cadillac, and All the Dying Voices. All of these plays were developed at such esteemed theaters as the Pegasus Theater, the Lex Theater, Actors Theater of Charlotte, the Bush Theater in the U.K., Boston Court Theater, the Landing Theater, the Playwright Center, and the National Theater of London. Reginald holds a BFA in theater performance from Texas Southern University and a Master's of Fine Art in Playwriting from Ohio University. Samilia is the founder and CEO of Artistic Directors of the Future, as well as the founder and CEO of Beyond the Canon. She's a former troubleshooter and manager of the National Theater's Black Play Archive. She is the editor of the first monologue anthology of Black Plays inspired by Black British playwrights. She has been listed three consecutive years in the stage Top 100 Power List, and last year was named in the London Evening Standards Progress 1000, which is London's most influential people of 2018. Other publications that Samilia has edited include the Oberon Book of Monologues for Black Actors, Classical and Contemporary Speeches from Black British Plays, which was followed by a second monologue anthology published by Methune Drama, the audition speeches for Black South Asian and Middle Eastern actors. 
She is also the interim associate producer at Theatre Royale Stratford East and former trustee at the Directors Guild of Great Britain and the Company of Angels Theatre. Sim has also worked nationally and internationally as a theater director, producer, dramaturg, teacher and guest lecturer, as well as an audience development consultant. Just one word about the audio for this interview. Sim and Reggie sound fabulous. However, I do not. Um, I sound like I'm talking through a tin can about 30 feet away. Nevertheless, you will be able to hear everything from them clearly. And from me, okay. Just so you know that there is some differences between our audio tracks. We had a little issue, and this was the cleanest track that we could have for this interview. And so this is the one I went with. Here is my interview with these two phenomenal people. Enjoy. Welcome, Reggie and Sim, to Black Theater Matters. I'm very happy to have you guys on. Uh, We're happy to be here. on this show. And thank you for doing this. I do appreciate this. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Black Lives, Black Words, uh, in its origins and how it, how it was formed and where, where it's going in the next couple, next couple of years. So let's start off with how it, how it was formed initially. Um, I think uh, Black Lives, Black Words started off like uh, any other great idea over mimosas. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, but I was I would say that uh, so I was based in Chicago at the time. Uh, Samelia was based in London. Uh, we were uh, she was interviewing for uh, pe- various groups of playwrights and artists for a new book that she was working on, and uh, my name was connected uh, to as someone that she should connect with. Uh, so, uh, we reached, she reached out to me. I said, yes, let's make something happen. Let's connect. Uh, and I, I visited Chicago. So basically yeah, I was, she was uh, visiting Chicago. Grant, so I was in Chicago at the time that I was connected to Reggie. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, we connected, we sat down and, uh, at a bar and talked about the state of the world and theater and the arts and everything else. You could possibly imagine. Uh, And I told Sim about this crazy idea I had. uh, And then she was like, oh, you know, you should call it Black Lives, Black Words. And that's kind of how it it got jump-started. And from there, um, we did the first event at the Greenhouse Theater in Chicago. Uh, We kind of... Uh, fire hazard the hell out of that theater uh, in partnership with uh, in Congo Square, Black Ensemble, Impact Theater, uh, Pegasus Theater, and um, an ETA Creative Arts Foundation. Uh, anybody that, that knows uh, Chicago theater knows that Chicago can often be super tribal. So to see these five black theater co- companies coming together, uh, rallying behind this, this crazy initiative project um, was, was historic. And so okay. then we got a little bit bolder and we went 
and Sim did an event at the Bush Theater um, in London, and we fire hazard the hell out of the Bush Theater, and um, <laughs> and it was incredible and, and absolutely amazing. And then we just got bolder and bolder and said, who else can be impacted by uh, by this kind of a project? Who else needs to have the opportunity to have their voices heard? Uh, I mean, I think about the mission statement of Black Lives, Black Words, and it's uh, our mission is to empower artists of color and the communities that they're a part of. And so really that's, that's the very impetus of why we, we created. Uh, Sim is a lot more uh, articulate than I am, so she could probably give a much better uh, and more detailed version of what happened. Yes, that's that's the right. The, the, the playwright is the one who doesn't know how to use words. <laughs> right, right, Gary. I mean, the only thing that I would add, because you know you've covered a lot of grounds there, Reg. So mm-hmm. um, there's not much for me to add. But I would say that this was complete in complete response to what was happening. It was in complete response to the killings of innocent black men and trans mm-hmm. um, and communities, you know, through by police brutality. So what Reggie really wanted to do was, as an artist, he felt that there was, like, no one really responding to that at the time. And so he wanted to galvanise and to bring the community together, bring the artistic community together, uh, those who were interested in creating artistic responses to what was happening, to create more awareness of what was happening, what has been happening to our communities for decades. I mean, let's be real about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, uh, for me, it was a no-brainer for me to be a part of it because the same things that happen in the United States also happens around the world, but also in the right. UK. So for me, um, it was really important for me to use my organization, Artistic Directors of the Future, and to give it a, a, a UK presence. Okay. So uh, that's interesting because that's actually one of the things I wanted to uh, touch on. So you have this international platform. You're not just here. You also have artists that you're representing that are across the sea, the Atlantic, in the UK. And you also have a couple of Canadian artists. Yeah, yeah. So you hit hit at least three of the major um, pockets of black theater activity, you know, I mean, obviously the Caribbean, mm-hmm. South America, there are some, but they're not as connected to the experiences in many cases that we share. So um, how, how did that, how that list of playwrights uh, d- develop over time? Oh, man. Uh, so I, I think part of it was uh, I have a really wide database of, of playwrights uh, based in the U.S., Sim has a really uh, incredible, extensive knowledge uh, of uh, black playwrights in the U.K. Um, uh, she's one of the foremost uh, black play specialists in the U.K. Uh, and so um, we really just pulled our resources together and we reached out to... Uh, I've, I felt like during this period in time, there wasn't a lot of opportunities for me to speak out uh, about what's going on, and I felt like who else could possibly also have that feeling of, of that desire to speak out, that feeling that they, they're being oftentimes muffled and silenced. Right. Um, and so it was, as soon as I put out the call, people 
uh, as soon as we put out the call, people jumped on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and, and yeah, they're waiting for a platform already. Yeah, they were they were down for the cause in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And um, and oftentimes, what would happen is I we'd say, okay, we're going to such and such city. Who are those black playwrights in those communities? I might have a small uh, idea about who's there, but then other people would be like, oh, you should reach out to to such and such, or you should talk to Idris, or you should talk to Christina Anderson, or you should talk to Christina Ham, or or uh, Lydia Diamond might have a, a, some people that she should talk to. Dominique Morceau might have some people that she could talk to, you know? And so it just built, and it just built, and it just built in a really exciting way. I think what helps as well is the partnerships of organizations. I think that, you know, the fact that we were speaking out on an issue that wasn't really touched on in this particular way, um, and that it was um, such an urgent response um, helped. But I would say that at the time I was also talking and building my connections with Canada as well. Mm-hmm. So um, having people like Ravi, Ravi Jane and, and others uh, that we connected through um, an initiative called This Gen really did help for us to create the, um, the, the iteration with uh, Bodies in bad, at Bad Times. Right. Which is situated in Toronto, so mm-hmm. there was. Okay. It organically happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, well that makes it. So, um, since could we talk a little bit more? I, I, I had. Um, I've been paying attention to the developments in the UK with black artists and black companies over there. Mm-hmm. Talawao is one of the mm-hmm. organizations I follow. But I know they're not the only ones, and I know there are a number of, of, of organizations which are um, of mixed ethnic groups, mm-hmm. and they've actually developed, as I, I was saying to you earlier, the concept of BAME, Black, mm-hmm. Asian, and Middle Eastern artists. And I want, wanted you to talk a little bit about that formation. First off, where it came from, what's the impetus, and... Really, what is the response of artists of African African and Asian and Middle Eastern descent to that term? Yeah, the term BAME, it wasn't something that came from the black community, I wouldn't say. I think it was something mm-hmm. that was put on us from Arts Council England and other funding bodies, really, to try to find a way for them to articulate us as one group, <laughs> which is problematic, and we know that's problematic. Um but it, it actually stands for Black Asian um, and... Oh, no, what is it? It's Baymer now, actually. Yeah, so Baymer. It's, so it's Black Asian and Minority Ethnic Refugees. It's like the R now added to it, mm. um, which is, again, problematic. But um, um, I think that it's something that um, hasn't really been received well in the communities. We've, we've had to adopt the term when we're doing funding applications, to be honest with you, because now that's become the language of right. funders. Um, but even then, I think that we, um, I, I try to stay with, uh, I try to stay, steer away from it as much as I possibly can, if I'm honest. And I know that a lot of other organizations do the same. Um, but I would say that it definitely hasn't come from us. It's come from um, funding bodies um, who have tried to find a way to, um, uh, I wouldn't even say create initiative. I guess it is like to, to create sort of pockets of money, I guess, to, um, mm-hmm. to give to particular groups but um, it's definitely problematic mm-hmm. um, and like yeah. I said not everyone really accepts the term I think most people don't to be honest with you 
I, I noticed recently that the RSC, uh, in their Black Lives Matter statement, actually got a bunch of their um, African African um, British artists and some Middle Eastern artists to come together and do the monologue of Shylock at the the trial um, oh, of the Jesus. place Merchant of Venice, mm. and I found that. I personally found that so toned down. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say the RSC are the most consciously um, politically uh, <laughs> astute organization. I mean, I think we definitely should not be looking up to them at all when it comes to matters that impact on our communities and, and, and how to articulate and how to respond to those things. Mm. I think that it's really showing up though. I mean, what I'm really loving is the outpouring of people that are calling them out and calling out of organizations that are writing statements and actually have no track record or evidence of how they have, um, supported, um, anyone from the black communities. Um, and so it's quite shocking to kind of see these statements that again, it's too easy to write a statement. It's too easy to do something that feels that it's not so much, Mm. um, uh, it's kind of still risk averse, um, and I think that mm-hmm. it's really about us as as artistic communities to say no, yeah. you know, to say no and to stand up for what we believe is right. But again, I think that there's still a lot of education that needs to take place um, right. everywhere mm. <laughs> so on both sides, apparently. Well, uh, um, well, looking at the last couple of weeks here in the U.S. Um, we've had quite uh, an interesting atmosphere develop because the issues of systemic racism and police brutality have led to other African-Americans here to look at the circumstances of systemic racism Mm -hmm. in their own lives and their own industries. One in particular has taken up has been a number of black artists. Um, Last week we had four or five um, New York and Broadway um, artists of African-American descent uh, would go to several different social medias, uh, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and do um, uh, speeches Mm -hmm. or post long posts about the systemic racism they've they've suffered from. Mm -hmm. And, Rich, and Reggie, I know you have a tendency to be quite a firebrand on social media. <laughs> you, you're going to get me in trouble with my wife again. <laughs> Just a little bit, Gary. Just a little bit, Gary. You have a number of opinions about a number of things. Not that I don't agree with you. I do agree with you on quite a lot of occasions. Um, but what's your re- what, how do you respond to this moment and to how it's being... How, how people are attempting to try to attack the issue right now, since this was this none of this stuff is new. Right. None of this stuff is new. Mm. Right. Oh man. Um, Sim, you are much more politically savvy than I. Uh, would you true. like to? Uh... No, that's what he, he gave it to you. You answered the question. Um, well, I will let you. I, I was just throwing it out there. No, so I mean, I, I think. Go right ahead and answer. Well, I think one uh, kudos to so many people for for stepping up and and, and standing up and, and, and voicing that uh, that desire to to um, 
to speak against that kind of injustice. I, I, I think that's incredible, and I think that's really amazing, and, and we need that. However, at the same time, I also go and I think to myself about how many of those people have uh, been in those spaces in the past, have, have uh, profited from anti-black uh, systems, uh, practice anti-blackness, uh, practiced um, um, uh, profiting from being the token in the room and, and not really working towards uh, providing the opportunity for others to be in that space. Um, mm-hmm. um, like, I, and then, and then I, at the same time, I, I just think about, like, history. I go back to yeah. all those hundreds of, of slave uprisings that happened in the past, and I think about how uh, oftentimes the only reason those slave uprisings failed was because uh, one person who was hanging out in the master's house and got invited to sit on the porch and have some tea. Decided uh, this this week I'll, I'll tell the boss about what's going down, right? right. Uh, I mean, so I, it's really difficult to say, okay, yes, you are about that change. When so often, so so many of those individuals uh, have been profiting from uh, practicing anti-blackness against their own community and have even gone so far as not supporting uh, the black organizations and institutions that are doing the work. So I, 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 I'm, I'm partly like, yes, go for that re- revolution. Let's make that happen. And then at the same time, I'm also like, mm. He's giving him the side eye. I'm giving him the side eye, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where you been? Where they been? Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just like, where have they been when when so many of us have been doing the work, have been pushing for the revolution that that, that happened within these organizations and institutions? Uh, And then oftentimes it's been them that have uh, fought against the progress that could be made in those spaces. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, It it is... um, it is a frustrating set of circumstances. Um, we'll see how everything plays out because mm-hmm. obviously the opportunity at the moment is that we have people's attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right? Right. I guess when you start screaming in the middle of the street, people are apt to hear what you're saying for the first time mm-hmm. as opposed to you being polite and trying to explain it and giving them a three-point uh, plan and a, and a uh, a keynote presentation, <laughs> trying to, you know, all the data, and they don't hear it then. Right. But but when you start breaking stuff, mm-hmm. when you start burning stuff, and you don't, and you are in the streets, all of a sudden people seem to, to notice you. Right. It's kind of, it's it's kind of like my my mother when I was growing up. I never heard her orders. Until she got a switch. (laughs) (laughs) And all of a sudden, my hearing was real good. Right. Right. Real talk. So, 
so hopefully the switch is large enough and and structured enough so that we can actually start affecting some change. Mm-hmm. But speaking of change, there are programs that Black Lives Black Words have already has in place to address many of these concerns. And so, could you could you speak to a couple of those? Because part of what I'm trying to do is actually help expand the awareness of your organization to the general public. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, right now uh, we have uh, a multitude of of, uh, of, of workshops, uh, master classes that we're going to be rolling out. On top of that, we're going to do, uh, we have a an online uh, season that we're rolling out, which is going to be featuring artists like, uh, such as myself, Chizza Hutchison, Dominic Taylor, uh Idris Goodwin, um, who the list is long. Uh, Anya Pearson, um, uh, Katrina D. Uh, D. Richard. I mean, so uh, we're we're really pushing to help create some of those various changes that are taking place and uh, empowering uh, Black voices uh, without having to be dependent upon these these. Uh, or, PWI organizations or without uh, um, just providing a platform for the peoples to have their voices heard. Um, I see. Uh, and then on top of that, I mean, uh, Sims organization, artistic directors of the future have been uh, really pushing for so much change within the sector on on both the... Yeah. Yeah, she can speak on it better than I can. Before you shift to Beyond the Canon, though, I want to just go back to Black Lives Back Words because mm-hmm. Reggie's missing yes. out some real fundamentals. Okay. And right. so, okay. <laughs> let me as I do, it. as I do. Let me do that. Um, so, first take and foremost, yeah, I'll take the floor. So, before COVID 19 struck us all, right. um, and obviously it's, it's, it meant a lot of things mm. had to be put on hold. But one of the things that we were really at the tail end, we were really nearly ready to launch was a global commission project, yeah. which we were so excited about, which essentially working with um, theatres across the world to be able to give BLBW writers, those who have, have written um, works for our um, Black Lives, Black Words showcases in the past, we wanted to give them another opportunity, in which case the, the intention for this was for them to have sort of a, to gain the opportunity to have mm. um, their full works um, produced, um, a play, a full length play, sorry, produced. I'm um, sorry, a bit tongue tied because I've been doing a lot of zooms and podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me for that. I'm gonna just but, say that as a caveat. That's okay. That's um, okay. But I think, but take, I really want to say that because. <laughs> no, I really, I really want to talk about the Global Commission project right. because I think it's really, okay. really important, and it basically sings to exactly what Black Lives Black Words is all about, which is about providing employment opportunities, brokering relationships with organizations, mm-hmm. um, between sort of organizations and um, our BLBW playwrights who we admire and we have so much respect for. We just want to keep on pushing, creating platforms for them. Um, as well as it gives um, a global perspective. And that's yeah. essentially really, really important in terms of the plays that get usually they get cherry-picked to have productions overseas, and that's really few and far between. So we really want to extend and sort of widen that pool of talent that can have their works produced overseas. 
um, and also within the UK and in the US itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I'm really excited about. We, we we're still hoping to do it, but obviously with, with everything that's been postponed at the moment, we just we're, we're in talks with those comp- with those organisations, and we'll wait to see when they're ready um, to pick it back up again. Um, but like Reggie said, you know the the podcast, the online plays festival that he's created is mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Called um, plays, plays for, for the, the people, people. Um, is right. exceptional, right? Plays for the people. Right. Remember that. Remember that title. Um, so that starts in July and it runs all the way until. Uh, November. November, right? So that's really, really exciting. And and in some months you get two plays. You're lucky to have two plays. And then as we was only two months, we've got one play that's been performed. I believe mm-hmm. that's sort of later down in the year, and that can grow. So if anyone's interested, please do get in touch with us. And that's all one person plays, um, and that's going to be absolutely amazing. It starts with Reggie's play. Um, which is called Rideshare. Rideshare. So that's going to be um, our first thing. So please do take note of that. Um, the other thing I would say is that Reggie's still doing his playwriting courses. These playwriting courses are absolutely amazing. They look at character. They look at how to write a play, a political play, um, especially given these, these circumstances. We want right. to make sure that they're conscious, right? So therefore, sign right. up to Reggie's course. Um, we're also, we've launched a novels to stage workshop which is absolutely fantastic and it's been great to hear what plays playwrights are looking at and thinking Mm -hmm. that they can adapt plays we need to widen that pool as well of writers that are in the blbw um, network that can basically um be seen as those who who can adapt the plays i mean again very very adapt those novels into the into the onto the stage and then also take those adaptions and also take it into the film take those stage plays yes. and then take it into the film and so we also have a a workshop a workshop uh concerning uh adapting uh plays to film as well yeah so there's a lot there's a lot going on i mean for us it's all about talent pools how do we open and sort of widen these talent pools how do we continue to trust each other, work with each other, encourage people to work with black organisations, mm. and also how do we then, of course, broker relationships with larger organisations too. Okay. Now, how, are you, how are you working on that last part, uh, brokering relationships with um, other black organisations or, or uh, with larger organisations? How is that, how's that work going? Yeah. yeah, I mean the global po- the global commission projects. It was just that it was about mm-hmm. working with those sort of larger establishments. And to be honest with you, we were having really refreshing conversations, mainly based on the fact that leadership is changing. Right. So you know, having mm-hmm. conversations with Hannah Sharif, having conversations with Nataka Garrett, having conversations with you know Kwame Kwayamar, and actually that is such a beautiful conversation to have, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how amazing right. is that? We need more people to be in leadership positions so that we can we can actively. Create these necessary coalitions to yeah, create change. Yeah, exactly that. So that's only one of the ways. There's other ways, but mm. we probably hold those ones, Gary, if you don't mind. <laughs> there are other ideas, but we'll hold right. those close to our chest for now. I'm not asking you to throw away all your secrets. Because <laughs> that's another that's another workshop. That's another that's workshop, another workshop Gary. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Don't give away all your all your jewels. We've not one time, not one conversation, Gary. Maybe the second conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We, yeah, we, after we get comfortable, we'll yeah. Come back and shoot. <laughs> we 
they just warming up. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's fine. That's right. Um, so um, I understand that you you've had one challenge fundra- fundraiser, which you've already met for BLBW, but um, Beyond the Cannon also has a challenge uh, campaign that you're doing right about now. Could you that's talk right. a little bit about that? Yeah, um, with pleasure. Um, so Beyond the Canon is an organisation um, that I set up. I, I run two organisations, Artistic Directors of the Future and Beyond the Canon. Um, Beyond the Canon focuses on um, increasing the awareness and knowledge of our legacies, so plays that are written by Black, Asian, Latinx, Middle Eastern playwrights. Um, and so we've gone on to... We've done showcases, monologue showcases, um, in various different drama schools in the UK. And we've actually had a showcase here in Chicago too mm-hmm. in the past. And it's inspired by my monologue anthology. So I put together two two-book monologue anthologies. One's called The Oberon Book of Monologues from Black Actors. Um, and the other one's Audition Speeches for Black, South Asian and Middle Eastern Actors. Um, and the... Shameless plugging. Shameless plugging. <laughs> um, shameless he's plugging. got the books there. He's just right. showing you the books. So that's the first, that's the first collection. And then there's a, so, there's a second. So, so where can I buy those? So these are available on Amazon. They're actually available also on uh, Bloomsbury, Bloomsbury.com. And yeah, and Barnes and Nobles too. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're readily available. Um, and the, you know, for me, there's, there's two intentions. One, we need to put the works in the hands of the next generation so that they are more um, educated on, on the breadth of canon, our rich legacy, the shoulders that right. we stand on. And, and second of all, we have to ensure that um, we, rem- we remove all excuses, right? Yeah. Our work has always existed. We have such a rich legacy. We need to ensure that that legacy is preserved. And we also need to ins- put pressure on institutions to recognize our talent. But we also have to, first of all, value our own talent. You know, we have such amazing playwrights, and it can't, again, be these sort of cherry-picked um, right. playwrights who we just whose names gets mentioned time and time again. It's about how do we create more space to celebrate all of the other playwrights that have been a part mm. of this legacy. So the Beyond the Canon, we've done a podcast, um, which is called btc writers room it's on instagram we have a show on um every wednesday um it's at um, 6 p.m uk time that's 12 p.m in 12 p.m in central, chicago central chicago central um standard time mm-hmm. um but the but the thing we actually got donated um plays because again the plays should be with us um donated plays from uh, matthew in drama and from playwrights canada press um, that we're giving away to students. So we use the podcast to connect with writers. We invite them in. They talk to us about plays they wish they would have read before they entered into the professional industry. Right. Um, and then we give away plays. So today, we actually just had our first one today. That's why I'm probably a little bit tongue-tired. Um, and we gave away um, the collection of my anthology, uh, my monologue books. Um, we'll have the second, the second next Wednesday where Reggie will join us and we'll give away the Black Lives, Black Words book. And then the following Wednesdays, we've got loads of books to give away. I've asked yeah. for majority of uh, anthologies because I really believe that students should have anthologies, but we also have single text plays. But it's um, it's amazing. We've got Wallace Yinka, um, the anthology mm-hmm. of Wallace Yinka. We've got Roy Williams, obviously, Kwame. We've got 
the um, Matthew and Book of, of, of American plays. We've got um, Latinx anthologies. Right. We've, you know, we've got the, the breadth. So mm-hmm. we will be, yeah, like I said, we've got about 12 episodes, actually even longer than that, um, yeah. but 12 episodes that we're going to be uh, giving away um, books. And uh, we hope that to, to get as many students and to get many people that are in training as possible so that they can win some copies. We want to give them away. Um, but yeah, we need... We need the support, and it's a lot easier for people to get support for productions than it is for us to educate our our children yeah. and our yeah. young people and those that are studying, young and old. And so I really urge the, the community to come out and support what we're doing. Um, we do have um, a, just, um, a Just Given page, and I can sh- uh, share the link with you, Gary, if you don't mind sharing it. That would be amazing. But we need money to, to post. At the moment, we're doing this all for love, out of love, right. we're not getting paid to do right. this work. Um, but um, unfortunately, because of the COVID-19, Matthew and were able to donate plays to us, but weren't able to disseminate them for us. So right. we're having to get to, to share it with our own money. So the post and packaging is what we need help with the most. Well, I think that's a good strategy because actually back in the black uh, power movement, black revolutionary theater movement of the 60s and early 70s, one of the strategies that Woody King Jr. used when white folks say, I don't know where these plays are, he started publishing anthologies. He started mm-hmm. putting, he probably putting Ed Bullens and, and, and Ron Milner and his, the other writers with whom he was working into a published anthology, and he put it out there. So then you can say, now, see, it's right there. In the right. Go get it. Go to the bookstore. Mm-hmm. And I think that's excellent because, I, you know, um, hopefully if you could connect through the Black Theater Network, which is which has a number of college professors and teachers as, as part of the membership, you might be able to find these books could be part of their curriculum in regards to teaching plays, as well as possibly be a means by which they can actually give students in an acting class works that are written by writers that lo- look like them. That's right, right. And That's written pretty... for them, written with them in mind. Yeah. You know, right. and, and, it's, and it's both of those things, Gary. So, yeah, I mean, I would, I would love your support with helping us to share the word and, and um, helping us to share um, the library as well. Well, hopefully this will be a way for you to begin expanding that because I think there's an opportunity here. If you have the resource and then you, and you have a group over here who has a need and this resource meets it, then we need to bring those two groups together. Right. Because that makes perfect sense. Um, couple, uh, were there any other things you wanted to highlight about uh, black lives, black words. Before I uh, let you guys go, um, you know, uh, just that uh, we're super excited about uh, the multitude of programs that we we have going on, uh, and that we're so uh, incredibly uh, blessed to have uh, the resourcefulness to to do this on our own. But uh, this is a, this is a these. T- Projects, Black uh, Black Lives, Black Words, as well as Beyond the Canon, uh, we we don't depend on fun, foundational support or on um, or institutional givings. Uh, this is really on us, on the movement of the people that are really helping to propel these these projects forward. And so uh, we thank everybody that is supportive of us, and we urge them to continue to be supportive as we push forward. 
I want to thank Reggie and Sim for taking the time out to speak with me. I hope you were as impressed by them as I am. If you were, I'd like to encourage you to make a contribution to one or both of their organizations. You can find a donate button on Beyond the Canon, which is Sim's group, at her website, which is beyondthecanon.com. Beyondthecanon.com. For their joint venture, Black Lives, Black Words, you can find place to donate at their website, which is blacklivesblackwords.org. That's again is Black Lives Black Words One Word dot O R G. The button is support our revolution. So in closing, we'll be back in two weeks and we'll have an answer to the trivia question. Remember what it is. It's name two black creators of musicals who have written the book, music, and lyrics for their award-winning shows. I'll have an answer for you next week. I hope you are going to be continue to be part of this journey. If so, I want to encourage you to subscribe to Black Theater Matters on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, like, share, and subscribe to us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our website is blacktheatermatters.org where you can find additional articles on black theater as well as a comprehensive listing of black theater organizations in America. Or you can follow the hashtag hashtag blacktheatermatters. Finally, if you have any questions or comments about the show, please email me at my address gary at blacktheatermatters.org Again, thank you for listening. Ashe. Ashe.